Hello, and thank you for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If you enjoy this message, we invite you to check out River of Life live this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit riveroflifefl.com for service times and directions. That's riveroflifefl.com. Now, let's join Senior Pastor Henry Jones as he teaches from the Word of God. Coming, Our pastor is a little bit under the weather, and uh, he's around somewhere. You'll not want to hug his neck. (laughs) If you would, take just a moment and take this little piece of paper back out. If you'll notice the children's Christmas musical drama, it has on there that the children need to be here at 4 o'clock. Would you take a pen or a pencil and mark that out and put 3 o'clock on there? You don't want to get here at 4 and everybody say, well, where have you been? Be here at 3 o'clock, okay? It's worth the time. Well, thank you, brother. appreciate that. How How many of you are excited about the Christmas season? Yeah. Everybody's different. And so if I don't get an opportunity to get back up again, uh, from Linda and I, thank you and Merry Christmas to all of you. But you know, there are a lot of people who are really not excited about the Christmas season. Uh, In fact, we were at Walmart the other day, and I just like to sit and listen to people. Sometimes that can be dangerous. But, uh, you know, you've asked people, what do you think of Christmas? And uh, so I had one guy say, it's just way too much trouble. I mean, we're talking about Christmas, okay? And, and then one guy said, well, there's too much commercialism. And, and then this guy, he really got in my face because I was wearing the cross. He said, I don't think Christians ought to be observing Christmas. <laughs> All of these and about 10,000 more complaints. And sometimes if we are not careful, it does get too commercialized. If, it's, if we're not careful, we lose the emphasis behind what Christmas is supposed to be all about celebrating the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I don't know if you're like I am or not. I like Christmas because I like getting gifts. (laughs) No, no, you know, my kids come up to me, my grandkids, and they say, well, Papa, what do you want for Christmas this year? Ah, I don't need anything. But God forbid if they don't get me something. (laughs) Amen? Amen. I heard a fellow the other day who was writing Christmas cards, and I said, who are you sending Christmas cards to? He said, anybody that sent me one last year. I said, well, what if they didn't send you one? He said, they don't get one. (laughs) Christmas, Christmas. I want us to look this morning, if I will, please, in John's, 1 John, chapter number 3, 1 John, chapter number 3, and and I want to talk to a little bit about giving and, and a little bit about the greatest Christmas gift that was ever given. 1 John chapter 3 and verses 1 through 3. Now there are, in my opinion, a great deal of verses that deal with Christmas. But in my opinion, this particular passage of Scripture deals with the greatest Christmas gift that was ever given. And of course, that's the gift of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But there are others. And I'm just going to share with you some real quick verses. And you might want to write these down. 2 Corinthians 9, 15, the Word of God says, Thanks be unto God. For his unspeakable gift. Have you ever thought about that verse? The fact that God would offer his son as a sacrifice for you and I. Unspeakable. 
First John chapter 1, verse number 12, But as many as received him, to them gave he power. Listen to that. He, to them that received him, to them he gave the power to become the sons of God and to them that believe upon his name. Romans 5, 8, the Bible says, But God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. John three sixteen. you know this by heart. For God so loved the world that what? He gave. His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Ephesians 2 and verse number 8. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. And in Romans chapter 6 and verse 23, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. But, I love it when God butts in, don't you? But! The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. These are, these are just a few of the verses. But look at 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. He says, behold. And you've got to stop there. Now, I know some of the newer translations, they just have the word look. And if that's what yours says, you're missing this. Thayer and Strong's. And the, the uh, Thayer in Greek lexicon, Testament word, Strong's and his contortus, talk about this little word, behold, five times, by the way, it's used of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But this little word, behold, means more than just to look. It means to stop, to think about what is being said, to analyze it, to look, as it were, in amazement, if you will, at what is being said, to understand, to contemplate, to gaze at it. John wants you and I to come to an understanding about what he is about to speak to us about. The love of God. And so the Bible says in verse number one, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it does not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that, that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. For we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in himself purifieth himself even as he is pure. Let's begin by looking at our position as presented by John. He says, now are we the sons of God. The statement is based upon a prerequisite of a fact that he loved us and that we responded to that love. In fact, John has already stated, 1 John chapter 3, and there in verse number 9, he says, whosoever is born of God does not commit sin. Again in chapter 4 and verse number 7, he makes this statement, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God. Chapter 5, verse number 1, whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. 1 John 5 and verse number 4, who is he that overcometh the world, but he that Jesus that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. 1 John 5, 18, he says, We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not. So the prerequisite of becoming a child of God or, or having a position as the Son of God is the fact that we have been born again. 
born of God. Can I give this to you? Not everybody you meet is saved. In fact, not all of the religious people that you run into are saved. In John's Gospel, the third chapter, the most religious man of that day and that hour came to Jesus. And as Jesus looked at him in verse number 3 and again in verse number 7, he looked at this man who was skilled in in the, the law. He's skilled in the scriptures. He could quote more scripture than any Baptist preacher I know. He is a man who tithed of his salt and his pepper. He is a man who fasted twice every week. He is a man who is steeped in religiosity. And to this man who is so pure and so upstanding, Jesus said, you must be born again. It's not something you might slip into. It is something that must Take up time and space. It is something that you are required to do as a child of God to respond to the greatest Christmas gift ever given. God gave His Son that whosoever believeth in Him. Oh, you've got to come to that place under the convicting power of the Holy Spirit because the Bible says in John's Gospel, the 6th chapter and the 44th verse, no man comes to the Son unless the Father draws you. And the Holy Spirit of God draws. And you respond by putting your faith and trust in Him. And the Bible says in Romans 10 and verse 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. <laughs> Hallelujah! Behold, what manner of love is this that we, so vile, so wicked, so undone, so nothing to offer, should be called the Son of God. The position of sonship, a gift bestowed on us by the Father, undeserved, unselfish, unique, different from every other relationship given unto those who will accept it and once it has been received you are never the same again 2 Corinthians 5 17 the Bible said therefore if any man be in Christ he's a new creature old things are passed away aren't you glad for that amen Oh, I'm excited about being a son, but I'm glad that he had that, that glorified etch-a-sketch, that, that, that thing that he was able to, to shake and everything that happened yesterday disappeared. Hallelujah, glory to God. 1 John 1, 7, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from a few of our sins. No, doesn't even say that in the living Bible. The blood of Jesus, God's son, cleanses us from all our sin. If I would but confess my sin, 1 John 1, 9, he's faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And so the prerequisite of becoming a son of God means that I have responded to grace. I've called upon him and he has saved me. He put me into his family even though I didn't deserve it. 
You ever give a gift to somebody that you know did not deserve it? That's tough. What's even harder is to give a, a, a gift to somebody you don't like. Unless it's broke. <laughs> then you, no big deal there. God looked at us. According to Ezekiel chapter number 16, when he passed by us, there was nothing desirable about us. He saw us polluted in our own blood. And in his great love, the Bible said he spread his skirts over us. He claimed us as his own. But not only this, this position that is given, there is also within this a potential. Look what he says. First John chapter 3, verse number 2. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Two things jump out of this verse of Scripture at me. The first is that John says, we're going to get to see Jesus. Now listen, being born again, being saved, going to heaven, hallelujah, okay? I'm for it. But the thought of seeing Jesus? Oh, no, no, we're not talking about this Hollywood, this infamous uh, uh, person that Hollywood has portrayed. You know, Jesus is always uh, this uh, Anglo-Saxon guy with this long white dress and this long flowing hair, and he's always meek. And that's not Jesus. In fact, if you were to study what Christ is like right now, Revelation chapter 1, verse, number se- uh, verse 13 through 17, it speaks of the glory of our Lord. He's clothed with a, a garment uh, down to his feet. He is tied around the waist or chest with a golden sash. His hair is white like snow. His eyes are like the flame of a fire. His feet are like bronze. His voice, the sound of rushing water. In his hand, seven stars. From his mouth, a sword that defeats his enemy. His face shines as the sun in all of his brilliance. And John said, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as a dead man. I can hardly wait. Steven Spielberg has never thought of anything like this. (laughs) I shall see Jesus in all of his glory, in all of his power. But wait a minute. Hold on. Wait a minute. It doesn't stop there. Not only will I see him, but I'm going to get to be like him. Woo! Romans chapter 8, the Bible says, I am being conformed into his image. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, I'm being changed from glory to glory. I'm getting away with a new man and I'm getting into the new man. And I'm doing my best to live for his honor and for his glory. I struggle, I fall, I fight. But there will be a day when I will see him face to face. And when I behold his face, I will be changed into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. What does that mean, preacher? That means I'll be like my Lord. The battles of this flesh are all be over. There'll be no sin to tempt us. 
There'll be no darkness to blind, blind us. There'll be no sickness to weaken us. There'll be no death to bereave us. There'll be no guilt to haunt us. Somebody help me. There'll be no rush, time to rush us. There'll be no problems to worry us. There'll be no plagues, no needs to plague us. And there'll be no power to remove us. I'll be like him. I'll be satisfied. <laughs> Hallelujah to God. I'll be satisfied. In fact, the psalmist said it best in Psalm 17, verse 15. He said, as for me, I will behold thy face in righteousness, and I will be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. I was talking to a dear sister over here a while ago. They were talking about their hair and what they could do. And I mean, I do the best I can with what I got to work with, okay? <laughs> but I am assured that one day I'm going to have long hair again. I used to have long hair. Now I just long for hair, you know. <laughs> Revelation chapter 1 said he had that long, white, flowing hair. That's what it says. And the Bible says in 1 John chapter 3, verse number 2, when I see him, I'll be like him. And if he's got long flowing white hair. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. I can't hardly wait. God's greatest Christmas gift. We become the son of God. We're going to get to see him. Our position at his feet. We will behold him as he is. And we will be changed. But there's something more in this, and we've got to get to it. Not only do these verses of Scripture speak about the position and the, the great potential of being like Him, this gift carries with it an expectation of purity. Listen to what he says, verse number 3. And every man that hath this hope. One day I'll see. One day I'll fall at his feet. One day I'll be like him. This world and all of its encumbrances passed away. Any man that hath this hope purifieth himself, even as he is. can't live like I used to live. I'm sorry. Because I'm saved, I walk a different path. Everywhere I go, I have the precious name of Jesus to hold up. And the responsibility means that I am in this process of daily cleaning out my life. I'm expecting. Oh, he could come in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. He could be here this very second. You and I could be called into his glorious presence. I want to be ready to meet him. Amen. Mama used to tell us as kids we were growing up, and I know you had a mama just like this. She'd walk in there and she'd look at our room, and I thought it looked pretty good. And she said, Y'all boys, get this room cleaned up. We got company coming. 
I've got company coming. And when he splits that eastern sky, I don't want to have to get a lot of things straightened up. I want to walk in purity because I've got a hope that he's coming. My, my hope, my, pure, pure, my, my motive for being pure, for living a Christian life is not rules and regulations. It is not somebody else says you ought to do this. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and righteousness. The means that I have that, that follows my motivation to be pure, the means of my purification is the power of God living with inside of me. No child of God ever ought to say I can't because God who is God of all God lives with inside of us and through Christ Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit we can do all things. You tell me what you can't give up and look to Calvary. He who died for all. The motive, the means, but lastly and quickly, the measure. (laughs) Any man who hath this hope in himself purifies himself. Oh, I wish this wasn't here. I wish it read, he purifies himself as his wife is pure. I wish it read that he would purify himself so that he is satisfied with his own purification. Any man that hath this hope in himself that he is a child of God, that he will one day see the Lord, that he will be like unto the Lord. He receives this gift and he begins to purify himself, cleaning out all of the old, turning loose of all of the world-bound habits, setting his eyes upon glory, walking to meet the, the expectations of a loving father. Why? Because the Bible instructs me to be pure. As he who hath called me is pure. It's a goal I'll never reach. It is, it is, it is a, a, a finish line. That even though with all that is determined within me, I know that I fall short because I can never be in this life as pure as he was in this life. And so preacher, if you can't get that, why should we even try? Are you crazy? (laughs) He who loved us, he who exalted us, us he who lifted us up out of the gutter he who who washed away our sin he who has promised us a glorified body he who's given us all of eternity how in this world can we who are called his children live lives that are not like in the fashion of our father the problem with 
Christianity. We got too many who are satisfying themselves rather than casting their eyes upon him that we might live unto his likeness for his honor, for his glory. Father, I thank you today, Lord, for the greatest Christmas gift that you could possibly have given. You gave us your son. You washed away our sin. You gave us the promise of a glorious day. And Father, for these things and for a billion more, we are eternally eternally thankful. With their heads bowed and their eyes closed. And then, after you have believed, after you have put your faith and your trust in Him, with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Nobody's looking around, no, no, nobody peeking. Can I just ask you, have you professed him before man? He says, if you will not profess me before this untoward generation, this vile, wicked generation, I will not profess you before my Father, which is in heaven. That's scriptural. And it'd be terrible to go through life with a Christmas gift you never unwrapped. Jesus told Nicodemus, you must. You must. You hear this morning, you say, Brother Bill, I, I believe in the Lord. I, I, I believe in God. I believe he loves me. I've never, I've never really stood up and professed him as my Lord and Savior. I've never cried out to him and asked him to save me. And you would like to do that this morning? You'd like to respond to the greatest Christmas gift ever given by giving in return yourself. With everybody's eyes closed and everybody's head bowed, I'm going to ask you to simply do one thing. Stand up for Jesus. Right where you are, just stand to your feet and come to this aisle and say, Preacher, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm giving my heart to Jesus. Brother, you come. Someone else. Preacher, I just, I, I want to profess him before men. I want to be a child of God. I want to receive the greatest Christmas gift ever given. You're like that here this morning. You say, Preacher, that's me. I'm going to be standing down here to the front. I'm going to ask you to come take my hand and say, Preacher, I'm here. I'm ready to do business for the glory of God. It may very well be that you need to be baptized, that you've gotten saved, but you got baptized first, and you want to get it in scriptural order, so you need to be baptized. You'll need to come. It may be that God wants you to come and plant your anchor here at River of Life and grow with this great fellowship. Whatever decision you need to make, our sister's coming. She's going to play some music for us. We're going to stand with our heads bowed, and we're going to ask the Lord to move in your heart for his honor and for his glory. Church, would you stand, please?
as God has spoke to your heart, would you step out and come? Would you make that decision for the glory of God? As we wait right here at the front, waiting for you, waiting for you to come right now. You come. People all over this church are praying for you. Are you coming? Maybe this morning as a child of God, you want to come and find a place here at this altar and just thank God for what he's done for you. Hey, Pastor. Hey, girls. You coming to be saved this morning? Each wants to be saved. Someone else? Child of God, you want to come and just get on your face before God and say, thank you, Lord. <laughs> this is the time to do it, okay? Would you come right now? Thank you again for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today or you need someone to pray with you, then please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email to info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to visit River of Life this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. For more information, visit us at riveroflifefl.com.